Welcome to the Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast, a ministry of Locust Hill Baptist Church in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. My name is Michael Hodge, Senior Pastor at Locust Hill. At Locust Hill, we celebrate the change that God alone could bring in our lives, and we also recognize the calling to share that good news with others. Lives changed by Christ, changing lives by Christ. We welcome you to this podcast where we want to equip you to live in the reality of a life changed by Christ. Disciple-making is at the core of a church's calling, and we want to take advantage of every resource we can to encourage you today. We invite you to join us for a service Sundays at 10.15 a.m., Wednesdays 6.30 p.m. Our church is located at 5534 Locust Hill Road in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. Our website is locusthillchurch.org. We want to welcome you to the podcast. This is a unique opportunity for us this week. We gather each and every week around the table, but this week we have the opportunity to be joined by Dr. Francois Carr. He's here at our church leading our spiritual renewal week. And so we thought this would be a great time for him to be able to share with our staff, but also to reach beyond the walls of our office here to share also with all of you. And so the conversation is very much just going to be open for however the Lord directs it. We've got a few things that we put out to Francois that might kind of guide the conversation. But I want to allow Francois just to share a little bit about the ministry an update on how God is using Connected Life Ministries, Heart Cry Ministries of South Africa, how God's really expanding the reach of this ministry around the world. So, Dr. Francois, welcome. Glad to have you here with us. So share about the ministry, how God's using it. Well, thanks, Michael. It's always a joy to be with you guys and just to share what God is doing at this moment. But you talk about what's happening around the world. So let me just say a couple of things and as a testimony to you guys. Uh, there's a pastor in South Africa that I've preached with him for many years. And then he accepted the call to the country of Namibia. Four places, a small little countryside church with only 60, 70 members. And he invited me to preach for him the first year. And ever since, every year when I'm done, Wednesday evening with the revival meetings, as they call him, he said, when, what is the date for next year? I said, no, man, this has been the sixth or the seventh time I've been with you guys. I think you probably are tired of my voice now. He said, what's the date for next year? And so I go back every year to the country of Namibia, the same church. But over the years, we have developed a pastor, and he has done the call, but not, you know, like just reading through the book, they've done 52 Sundays through the call, preaching on Sunday morning, and then with some questions like you guys are doing. And then on Wednesday evenings, they discuss that in the small groups. And then Wednesday mornings, they develop a group of, I think, six or seven business people that has become like laborers in the harvest and fully equipped as leaders at the moment. Um, they're busy with connecting uh, the material as from the perspective of the commands of Jesus Christ. Next year we'll do a follow-up again about discipleship in action. But why I'm telling you about Dirk at the moment, his name is Dirk. He's a friend of mine, he has become a friend, but he calls me his mentor. But Dirk, in one of his church members, he has a guy, his name is Yaku, he's an auditor. Uh, he bought 10 books of the call and sent it to 10 different pastors in South Africa. And so every Sunday after Dirk was preaching, he would take the notes and send them the questions to the pastors in South Africa. And after some time, this one guy contacted us and said, listen, we have to read a book together next year as a group. And we are four pastors inside the church, so we all have put a book on the table, but we have chosen the call to read as a church for next year. So they ordered 250 copies of the book that has gone through that material, which is this year, then October, they will be done by December this month. Um, so 
I'm working with Dirk, and Dirk is working with his people, and out of that comes a church in South Africa of 250 plus members going through the book at the moment. Um, at the same time, Dirk has this vision for the country of Namibia, and so he put together a synod meeting that they had from the south um, of Namibia. And so just before I came to the States, we had a meeting where 15 churches got together and we spent two days with me with the call. And so we pretty much start 15 new groups going through the call in 15 little towns in Namibia as well. And one more women's group going through the connecting time material. So there's 16 new little groups starting in Namibia at the moment, all because of a small little countryside church in the south parts of the country of Namibia. So he asked permission from the Senate if we can do the same thing with all the pastors of the country of Namibia in January of next year. And so I will be flying to the city of Wintuk, and at the end of January, beginning of February, I'll spend two days to get all the pastors together from all, all English and Afrikaans churches, white and black, invited to be there to be trained for the call of the country of Namibia for next year. And so it's all because of one man. And so God is really stirring, you know, in places like Namibia at the moment. The same thing is happening, for instance, in, in New Zealand at the moment. We have a group in the south parts of New Zealand. Um, I'm meeting on a monthly basis with a group of 16 people, not going for the call, but we are doing what we call labor in the harvest material, the follow-up material for the call. And the vision is to reach every town and every city of the country of New Zealand, and also the Cook Islands and a little bit up north. And I'm mentioning this to you for a reason, because at the same time in South Carolina, I'm mentoring a pastor that is mentoring a pastor in Anchorage, Alaska at the moment. And he is spending some time with two guys. One is a pastor from Tonga and one is a pastor from Samoa. And they both are teaching two people through the call at the moment. And so they talked about when do we do a conference in this in Tonga and Samoa and, and things like that. So we want to connect New Zealand at the moment with those nations up north because Cook Islands, Tonga and Samoa are just, just north of New Zealand and also the east coast of Australia. So we can really see how God is using some of this material, not just in South Africa, but also in other parts of the world. And then I heard about a church in South Carolina has gone through the material for 16 Sundays. And then I heard about Locust Hill also doing the same teaching on a Wednesday evening. So the Lord is really really using the material called the call at the moment worldwide. And I'm so happy about that, Michael. Um, it's, it's wonderful to see what God is doing. And I really prayed for that because I asked the Lord to bless the material. And for people just to say, listen, read the book and throw away the book, but just implement the method of Jesus. Because Jesus took 11 disciples and multiplied them in billions of followers worldwide. And so just read the book, understand the method, and throw away the book, but implement the method. And it's working. Yeah. Well, my initial connection to your ministry was through Blackaby Ministries. One of their staff members was a member of our church, Rick Fisher. And yeah. so through that connection, yeah. he first passed your name to our church there and you came and spoke. Yeah. And so that connection with Blackaby Ministries and experiencing God continues. You've got an exciting opportunity January in South Africa. So share a little bit about that. That's a connection with our Association. Yeah. yeah, we call it Awaken South Africa for a reason, because we want to awaken the church to the real purpose of the Great Commission, and not just for South Africa, but also for Africa. And so last year when Richard was in South Africa, he'd been there several times with us when we brought him over, I asked him to give me the permission and the rights to publish the Experience in God material, because we published six of his books already in South Africa, in Afrikaans, but also in English, but this time we want to have the rights. And so the next morning he sent an email to the to the head of Liveway asked the permission for us to do so. And it took several months to, to negotiate a little bit. 
And eventually, Nightway gave us the permission to do so, and we were able to print Experiencing God with the video access and release of guides in South Africa. Recently, I think, just about two months ago, we published the first, um, the first study, the new one that you also have in the States at the moment. Um, but I told them if we do that, we want to do something special. We just want to have a conference about PG, you know, Experiencing God. We want to do an Experiencing God conference as a follower of Jesus, as a worker and as a leader, that we can lay the foundation for people to go back to be equipped. Um, but if we do that, what I want to do is then I want to bring together a conference in Pretoria, one in Cape Town, we do one in the city of Vintuk, but then invite 72 hand-picked pastors from different nations of Africa to be there. And then we'll train them for two or three days and send them book, send them back with the Bible and the EG book and the call and some other material as well to go back to their nations to become a facilitator or just a... a just a catalyst maybe towards the message of, of EG and also of the call in their own nations as well. And so they approved that. So we'll have this in January of next year towards the end. There's a team coming from the USA. Richard is coming. His brother Mel Blackaby from First Baptist Jonesboro is coming and some guys from South Carolina. I think there's a few from North Carolina coming as well. And so we'll have a conference up north, one down south in Cape Town. But what I will do with the American team coming, I'll put them in churches on Sunday for Wednesday preaching revivals in different churches. And then at the same time, those pastors will also be at the conference. We really want to equip people. And then, But if they sign up and they're sponsored to be at the conference, Michael, we want them to sign up for two conferences, one in January end, beginning of February, then come back in the months of March or April, I think more or less, to spend two or three days with me as we take them through in-depth material in how to, to go back home and actually how to use the material in their nations as well. And it's amazing, the moment we start to put that together, is how people start to make contact with us. As I was praying about this, one guy came into my life, and his name is uh, Julius, and he's a, he has a radio program and radio pulpit, which is a gospel radio station. He has a doctor's degree in law. He's been sponsored by the South Dakota Baptist Convention in America, his salary in South Africa at the moment. And he said, Francois, I have this dream that we will reach Africa with this message. And so I said, Julius, let's just put something, let's, we, we don't advertise, let's just, you know, somehow get, do a breakfast and invite just 12 hand-picked people. Because Jesus had 12 disciples. Let's start there, because that's biblical, you know. And so we had a breakfast one morning and he invited 12 pastors. And there were 12 from 12 different nations of Africa there. And one of them is coming from Ethiopia. Um, and um, when I met with him, he's the bishop of Ethiopia. And so he told me there are 300 Ethiopian churches in South Africa, 12 in Johannesburg and Pretoria, with a membership of 500 each. And so they have a synod. And so for the last couple of months, I've been mentoring this one bishop at the moment, spending some time with him. And he spent some time with me and we just talk about discipleship and how do we change the philosophy of from a numbers game to spiritually mature followers of Jesus that can actually become laborers in the harvest. And and so we've got Ethiopia, we've got Malawi, we've got Kenya, we've got Mali, we've got different places in Africa at the moment that we are spending some time with and training them that they can go back, plus the 72. So that's one of the projects we are working at the moment. And that's exciting for me because if we can do something like that in Pretoria, but also Cape Town in the country of Namibia, we can reach a lot of people. But not just the numbers of preaching, but actually duplicate ourselves that they can invest in their people and just the potential of every church member that can become a disciple maker. That's just mind-boggling, you know. So, Dr. Carr, if I could ask this question as you're talking about this. 
you know, one of the main tenets of experiencing God is find where God is at work and yep. join Him there. Exactly. Uh, here in the states, you would say it's somewhat, somewhat easier for someone going through experiencing God to find where God is at work. There are churches on every corner. Yeah. You can yeah. find places to work. How does that translate in South Africa, where you're encouraging someone find where God is at work and join Him there? Yeah, let me explain how I, I made the connection with that. Because many years ago, when I was training the, the pastors from South Carolina, the first time we were in Colombia together, um, in fact, they asked me to, to present the material that I wrote. Um, and so we had 80 pastors there um, that came together. And then the, we had a follow-up six months later as an alumni. And I always remember that. And they said, well, the alumni for these 80 guys, let's just get Dr. Blackaby there and myself. And we both spoke two times about our personal quiet time. And then just a recap of the material in two sessions, that's all we did. And so this one guy stood up and he said, but how do we take this material from Francois to our elders and deacons? And Dr. Blackaby just kind of looked at him and said, Jesus said, he who is faithful in the little, you will make him ruler over much. And he sat down. That was his answer. And you can see the shock on the face of the pastors, you know, if you want to have the steps and what to do, you know. And, and so another guy stood up. In fact, he answered that same question six times with the same verse of scripture, but no explanation. And so when we had... The time to break, I asked him, what do you mean with that verse of scripture? And he said, Francois, when you go back home, take a piece of paper and write down three questions and then you are faithful with those questions. And so I said, what is it? He said, the first one is, who are those people that God has uniquely brought into your life right now that has not disappeared in the last three or six months? And the second one, who are those people that God has uniquely sent to you? Because sometimes people come in your life for what they can give to you and sometimes for what you can give to them. And so as I was reflecting upon this, and as I was writing the material, eventually to be published, because in the beginning we just simply called it Connecting with God, but now it's called The Call, I was reflecting on this, and as I wrote this, God spoke to me, he said, Francois, he said, I will find them, I will raise them up, I will send them, but you train them. And so he gave me John chapter 13, verse 20, where Jesus said, if you receive me, you receive the Father, who have sent me to you. Mm -hmm. And so the God has uniquely brought people in your life for a reason, and you need to pay attention to those folks that is in your life, that you can be faithful with them. And so I've taken that. It's a long answer now to get to that point. Mm -hmm. But I think you'll get the message and see how that's connecting with one another. And so when I put that on a piece of paper, I wrote specific principles down when I'm praying. So I'm praying, for instance, I said, Lord, that you, I'm praying that you would send your chosen ones to me, whom you want me to disciple. And that you would please keep those away. That will be a waste of time, of your time and your money. Because it's, it's God's time. It's God's money. It's not ours. It doesn't belong to us, you know. And, and so my job then becomes to pay attention to who comes in my life. And the, the next thing that happens, I receive one phone call after the other. Of people, because he said, I will find them. I'll raise them up. I'll send them. Because God is at work. And so your job is to pay attention to who's in your life. And the moment when you make that connection, when you go to a place and there's a student coming your way, like Dr. Blackaby explained in his book, or maybe somebody coming from the, from the army, or maybe from, you know, from a men's meeting or something like this. So who comes in your life in that moment when you pay attention? And when you make that connection, it leads to the next step and the next step and the next step, in other words. So God is obviously at work in Africa at the moment. But what we have done is we have to make a mindset change away from the typical way of doing things in the church, but even to work outside of the church and outside of your denomination, because now I'm working with Baptists and Presbyterian and Pentecostal and, and all kinds of groups coming from Africa, even South Africa as well. So who are those ones that is in your life at the moment? 
because God sent them to you. And once you make that connection, you realize he is at work and he invites you to join him. And so I just, and I say, listen, what's happening in this guy's life and how can I help you? And that becomes the next step. Because we are not called to, to be successful, Michael. We are called to bear fruit. And so somehow we connect the call with EG and the principles from Dr. Blackaby. And we put them together when we are addressing this in, in actual practice, you know. And that's, that's how we get to that point in South Africa at the moment. Yeah, because, I mean, because every person in your church, every church member has a circle of influence around him. And he is in, in contact with so many people around him. Not, not all of them has to be discipled, but that one or two persons that God really sent to you that might be there for a reason and not disappearing, you need to adjust your life and join him and say, Lord, how do you want me to respond to this person? How can I adjust my schedule to join him? And what do you want me to do with that person? How can I lead him? How can I guide him? Because when I look at that person, I don't see him as a, you know, as a, as an ATM or, or this or that. I see him as a potential disciple maker. Every person, even a beggar on the street, a drug addict, an alcoholic, we mentioned a, a guy's name this morning, has just potential. Because that man has the potential to become like Jesus. And around him also is a circle of influence. His mom, his dad, his, his siblings. And so when he becomes saved and Christ-likeness, pursuing, growing in his faith, laboring in the harvest, he has potential to reach a wider circle around him as well. So now this guy is in my life, and now that we talk about this, if this guy shows up again in the next couple of days, God is, is extending an invitation to become involved in his life, not just to be saved and baptized, but to disciple him, because he has the potential to do so much more. And so just kind of connect those things with one another. And I said, Lord, now, let me give you one other example of that. One morning I was praying, um, and my phone rang, and the man phoned me. I can't mention his name on the, on the podcast, but he, he's from the Muslim background. I said, Lord, now you sent me a Muslim this morning, you know. But he made an appointment with me, and we spent some time together um, for an appointment. And he told me this story. He's coming from the background of a nation in Africa, and he was reading through the Gideon's Bible because he wants to make his English, you know, more, more better. And because of speaking a good English, they transfer him to Middle East country because he ends up in a, in a very high place in the Middle East because of his good English. And they've chosen him to send him back to South Africa to translate the Quran, for instance, into one of our black languages in South Africa. But one day, as he was walking in the streets of the city of Durban, uh, he picked up a second-hand bookshop, one of the very first books of Experiencing God, little little booklet. He read that and got saved. And so he, he was looking to see if he can find and make contact with, with the Blackabees, for instance, in, in, in America. And somehow in the Googling, up pops the name Francois Carr. And so he phones me. And so we had this meeting together and he walked away with a bunch of books. And he's at this stage training 25 pastors in one of the African nations, but he can't go back home. Because since then, his father has become the head imam of one of the nations in Africa. And so when he go back home, they will kill him. So by just praying a prayer like this, Lord, that you would send your chosen ones to me, whom you want me to disciple. Because Jesus said, if you receive the ones I'm sending, you are sending the Father. So we don't have to go look for someone. He will send them. He will bring them. We just have to adjust our schedules then. It's just like the same with the disciples. I mean, when they wake up that one morning in Jerusalem, there were people from 25 nations in Jerusalem. I mean, they just prayed for 10 days, waiting upon the empowerment of the Spirit. And when they opened that door to walk outside... You know, there were 25 nations people standing in Jerusalem. And it's exciting to see how God brought them. 
When I was in Turkey uh, two or three years ago, we had a professor whose father is also Imam. But he was our guide for one day in around the area of Cappadocia. And he took us to little small chapels inside the southern parts of Turkey. And showed us a little, little uh, almost like the size of the mission house. That was the size of one church. But the walls around that little building was just frescoes of the message that Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. Now, can you imagine on that day, they, they, they heard that message and they left and they go back and, and they just, you know, keep on transferring the information and what happened on that day. And, and now today you see those frescoes against the wall. Frescoes, not paintings that's new, old. Because people from Cappadocia was also in Jerusalem. So God will bring people in your life and then you have to join in and just adjust. And I think that's how practically it becomes, the combination of the two pieces of material together. Um, but I've added the fact that God said, I will find them, I'll raise them up, I'll send them, but you train them. I don't have to go look for people. But I put that into a little prayer nugget for myself by saying, listen, Lord, that you would send in your chosen ones to me, whom you want me to decide. But please keep those away that is a waste of time and of your money. Because sometimes people can be a waste of time. But send the right ones that we can spend some time with them. But that stretches you too. Because some of them might not be saved. Some of them might be young in their faith. Some might be older. Some might be so you might be working with different people in different times, and that's what this logo is all about, because you see one, there's the cross in the center, one of those, you can see there's different sizes of that little person. It means everyone is on a journey as we look towards the cross in the Lord Jesus, as we grow from a convert to become a follower, to become a worker, to become a leader in our own rights, until we reach the place of becoming mature in our spiritual life. And so God will stretch you if he sends people to you. I believe so. So I think tied in with that is the importance of us being ready, prepared, growing ourselves. Oh, yeah. And so we're sitting around the table as individuals that serve in various roles in ministry. And it can be very easy for us just to go through the motions and keep yeah. doing yeah. what we've done in previous years. And yet what I've enjoyed with the staff is our desire just to study the word, grow individually. Yeah. So I would love to hear from you just how God is continuing to mature your faith, maybe some spiritual disciplines, yeah. even very practical. If we were to sit yeah. with Francois in the morning, what does your Bible reading look like? What are those things that have helped you to mature? Yeah. So we want to equip our saints for the work of ministry. What are some things that you would share have helped you? Yeah, thank you, Michael. But just before I answer that, maybe just one more thing when I think about this now, that sometimes when I meet with our leaders in South Africa, it's just to have three or four different basic kind of questions to ask, you know, and so what's happening in your life at the moment, and where have you seen God at work in the past week, and what have you done to join Him, and where do you feel stuck, that you can become unstuck in, in just kind of joining Him by adjusting. And sometimes it might be in your family, it might be your husband, your wife, your spouse, your kids, and they're just, you know, you just stop what you're doing and just in that moment just come alongside the loved one and just help him go through that compassion, that moment, whatever you feel in your heart, what is needed for that moment. So we are basic questions when we have a monthly meeting or with our people, just ask some questions like that. And then we just, where did God, where did you see God at work? And how did you respond to that? And, and things like that. It might be helpful if you process that for yourself. Um, but in my own life, um, I think I was very fortunate, Michael, to be exposed um, very early after I got saved. For some reason, God put in my heart a longing because I was always a, a reader, even when I was not saved. I was reading fiction and all kinds of books when I was a young boy. But when I got saved, God just kind of exchanged that love for reading into something more spiritual. And, and one of them was, was the reading biographies. 
of great men of God, and especially George Mueller and Hudson Taylor and Manly Beasley, more recently in America. And I have a whole stack of just biographies back home, a tremendous amount. And, and some of them I reread every year because there's principles inside those biographies that really spoke to my heart. So I think one of the spiritual disciplines is reading, um, and especially biographies. And I love reading in the line of the ministry. I set aside eight topics every year that I buy. I will read a book about marriage, about God, about the Holy Spirit. So I, I will buy books in different aspects of the spiritual life once a year, and then I will put that on my shelf, and I will make sure I read every one of them throughout the year because I want to be fresh. What is the latest trends in leadership and marriage, and how do we deal with issues in our lives? Because I want to be fresh about that. So reading not just biographies, but also other books um, to keep myself fresh. And then journaling write down what God is saying to me. I keep my journal because that's a discipline which I think is difficult for many of us to keep. But at the same time, it's so rewarding when you go back and you see how God has led you over the weeks and the months and the years by the things that you're writing down. Sometimes it's just a sentence, sometimes it's a paragraph, sometimes it's a page. It all depends what I feel in my heart for that day. So journaling is important. And then what I also have picked up, apart from reading, is the fact that the Lord has, has surrounded me with Two more things, and the one is that this with godly people that uh, that God has placed next to me over the years, like Dr. Blackaby. The first one was a, was a guy called Dr. William Ray in South Africa. He has just a tremendous love for God's Word. And so when I listened to him preaching, he would quote probably about 200 verses of Scripture and as he was preaching, but never opened the Bible because he's, he's, got, this, he's got this photogenic brain, you know. And, but it really impacted me to give me a love for God's, God's Word, to read the Bible and to study and so I'm reading the scriptures, chapters upon chapters upon chapters. And the other one was Dr. Johannes van der Kolf that was in the Oxford University Committee of Revival with James Edwin Orr and, and Ted Randall and, and those kind of people, Richard Owen Roberts in the States. And so there was a committee in London, just outside there in Oxford, and about revival. And he was in my life very early, and that gave me a love for revival, to see how God can do. And that kind of spoiled me. Because there was a few moments in my ministry where God just came to sit down upon those meetings and God did something amazing that you can never do by preaching on a Sunday morning. God can do so much more in a moment that we can preach for the whole year. So that was those two experiences. And then God put Dr. Blackaby and somehow I put the love of God's Word and revival together that we can experience and see the principles and that led to where I am today. So, And then several other people as well over the years. Um, and then there was touches of revival. So I, I feel that the reading, the journaling, people in my life, mentoring, that played a tremendous role, the spiritual discipline of fasting. Sometimes my wife said she wants to kill me or divorce me. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, God started to lead me to do different types of fasting over the years. Um, and before I wrote the material, I fasted for 40 days. I only drank two glasses of juice a day. And I was still preaching four or five revivals in that time. I, 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 there was a few days I think I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. um, but when I finished the book, the first one, The Call, I took another 40 days. And this time I, I downsized to one glass of juice because I want, I want God to bless the material because this is His. It's got nothing to do with me. Um, if God chooses to bless the material, and because Jesus fasted in the beginning of his ministry, I, I did several of those, but this was different now. This, the book is, is new. It's all about the forgotten Jesus model. So I, I did that, and after that, a few more days, 10 days here, 21 days there, there's a weekly day of fasting that I do. And then I also adjusted to the intermittent fasting that I do. So I, fasting plays a, a major role in my life at the moment by 
using that time to read, to study, or to pray, and so on. So I, I have I have the reading of the Bible, I have fasting, I've got journaling, I've got friends, and then I have what I call quiet time. Because there's a difference for me between quiet time and just Bible reading. For me, it's just to sit at the feet of Jesus and just to listen to his voice, to what he has in his heart for me for today. And so when I read my Bible, I read my Bible devotionally. I don't read it to get a sermon for Sunday or I read it for myself. What is God saying to me? How do, how do I need to respond to this verse of Scripture? How do I process this for myself? And and so there's a basic things like this, and but that, that gives you some idea. Mm-hmm. Questions from the staff? And that's so important for us, just that we're also committed to that. I think we default to what you just said. We go to the Word, and we end up thinking about the next devotion, the next sort of Bible study, yeah. or you know, we're leading life groups Wednesday nights and yeah. Sunday morning. We're always thinking that next project. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, as we then transition to ministry, one of the challenges that I just wanted to give you an opportunity to share with the staff and all those that will listen is how do we look at that long haul of serving the Lord? And the passage that stood out to me, I read this this morning from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. And so that verse there really stood out to me. Serve the Lord with gladness. And so what has helped you to serve the Lord with gladness? Your ministry reaches in a lot of different areas. I don't think our staff would even want to find on the map all the places you've already mentioned this morning. So um, how do you serve the Lord with gladness? How would you encourage us? May I answer that by, by telling you a story, I think. Um, when I was here in March this year, I was doing a conference uh, with Richard and myself at, I think it's part of a Crossroads Baptist, just outside in Gaffney, I think was the place. And But uh, I finished the meetings in Atlanta, and the next morning I was transferred to Greenwell. And when I got outside the hotel where I was staying, a man came to pick me up and his wife. And to make a long story short, I, I, I heard that he was the retired VP of Home, Home Depot. So I... I really drove all the way to Greenville in royalty, you know, that I really enjoyed that. And so we had those wonderful conversations, you know, and about the call and the connecting time with his wife and himself. And at some point I asked him the question, Michael, what good advice can you give a young man like me in South Africa here in the States? And he said to me two things. Maybe you'll find it helpful too. He said, um, I never had my office overlooking the, the lake, or the beautiful gardens. I wanted, I wanted to look at the factory. And I asked him why. He said, because I always want to keep the mission right in front of my eyes and the people and the mission that I'm working for. In other words, to keep that long road of obedience and the joyful heart is always to have the mission and the call of God right in front of you. Because that keeps you straight, it keeps you on the road. Then he said the following. He said, and the second thing is I've learned something that you must always inspect what you are expecting. That kind of, I like that. You must always inspect what you are expecting. And so when I reflect upon that, I realize when I look at my own life, there's a bunch of things that I that really kept me in a straight and a narrow road. And I, I'll be practical with you today. And one of them is, I think, probably is because we are living by faith. We don't have a full-time salary. So we have learned that if, if, the, if God just closes the, you know, the, the tap and there's no more water coming, no more blessings, no more provision. We stop quickly. Because Hudson Taylor used to say that when there's no more resources coming in, it's either that you're not doing God's will the way God wants it to be, to be done, or there is a test of faith. 
that you have to go through, or it's because of some iniquity in your heart that you have to confess. So when we pray about something and there's no resources coming in, we always take a moment to say, Lord, is there something missing in my life? Did I mess up somewhere? And usually a little exercise like the spiritual breathing takes you back in your mind that you can think of there's something that you've missed and you can fix it and fix it quickly because the end of the month is coming and there's no check coming from the church. You need to, you need to go to the mailbox and see if there's something coming from the Lord. You know? And if he's not pleased, he will not send you something. So we have to figure that out quickly. Or is this a test of faith that they have to translate into like a, a step of trust? Because the word faith means to rely upon and to lean upon and put your full weight upon the word of someone, in this case Jesus. And is this just another test of faith? Or are we doing God's work in God's way? And that's so that brings us to a point quickly to keep us on that road to make sure that we are in the line of God's ministry and His great purpose. And the second thing, having said with that, um, Apart from my quiet time, um, I mean, that keeps you fresh the whole time, is that God always takes me back to a few verses of Scripture when I, when I pray about something and I feel that this becomes difficult and hard, because sometimes it is hard. Because every month you start afresh, new. Um, there's no backing, it's just the Lord. And ever since June of 1999, when we step out of faith, my wife asked me the question, Honey, under what tree and bush will we be living? I said, Mama, I've got no idea. Hmm. Um, when I resigned from the army as a lieutenant colonel, that paper was lying on the table of the general for three months. And one morning I said, sir, you have to sign that document. I'm becoming disobedient to God at the moment. I need to go. So he signed the document and I stepped out of faith and that's what my wife asked. But ever since that moment, my phone rang and my preaching schedule is fully booked one year ahead, except for COVID. Um, and this, I mean... It's just amazing to see how the Lord has provided for us ever since that, that day, that moment. But, but I always go back to my core when I see there's a need and there's not a test of faith or there's no iniquity that I haven't confessed yet. Or I said, Lord, but this is the way that you want me to do these things. Then I go back to, to, J, to John chapter 15, where Jesus said that you did not call me, but I've chosen you and appointed you to bear fruit. But I just, I just kind of like this, this in the Amplified Bible. Let me just read this for you. He said, you have not chosen me. But I've chosen you and I've appointed you. And then this is the word. He said, and placed and purposefully planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing. Placed and purposefully planted. And that changes the, the perspective completely. So I, I kind of keep this in front of me the whole time. I said, Lord, you've called me to bear fruit. I'm your responsibility. You'll take care of this. And he does. Um, but that gives me, that brings me to 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 25. And maybe I can just add that if you want to. Let me read this for you. He said, For you, O my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build him a house. That's David speaking, by the way. And, but he said, Lord, you revealed to my heart that you are going to do something. You revealed to my heart that you have given me the forgotten Jesus model. You have called me to bear fruit. It's you that have taken the initiative. It's not me. It's you. So I'm your responsibility. And then he said, And because of that, therefore, your servant, that's me now, has found in his heart, it in his heart, to pray before you. And because God has taken the initiative and put something in my heart, I have the confidence that I can go to him and ask that he will provide for us for the ministry. And so I wrote five or six things down, like, Lord, send your chosen ones to me, whom you want me to disciple. And that's what he will do. And so when I pray about those things, I, I can actually pray and see how the Lord sent the people and how does God provide for that. So for me, it's about keeping a short account of God, it's about going back to the 
with the mission, by keeping the mission before you, by not sitting in the office looking at the lake, but looking at the people, <laughs> and you know, inspect what you're expecting, so go back kind of thing. Uh, basic things like that. That's going to keep me on the road, and, and then my quiet time, because that keeps you, it prevents you from becoming dry. You should never have a dry moment in your spiritual life if you are updated, up to date in your quiet time. I think one of the ways that we've retained our joy is just what we're celebrating. So how has that helped you just keeping that focus on what you're celebrating? Because there's always reason to look at where you're discouraged or frustrated, but uh, always keep that eye on where God's working. So how has maybe just celebrating God's activity encouraged you? Very much, very much. I mean, just a simple thing I shared the other day about how my wife got a seat next to my daughter back home to South Africa and, and just to take a moment and stop and reflect upon God's goodness and say thank you for that um, and his provision and providing and all the needs that we have. It's just to take a moment. You have to take a moment and just reflect upon God's goodness and then say thank you. Um, and never take it for granted because we are, I mean, we are not promised for today or tomorrow. So for me, it's just to celebrate what God is doing at the moment because it's all about Him. When you think about the connected life at the moment where we are, it's not because we're special, because of Him. Because He said, I will find them. I will raise them up. I will send them. You train them. That's your job. And I. And so when we respond to something like that, it's all about Him. So we we constantly take a moment to say thank you for what God has done for us. So the Lord is obviously at work in South Africa uh, among these people, uh, our people and different nations of the world, also Australia, New Zealand. That's exciting to see. The book was just published in the Dutch language and Netherlands. At some point next year I will be going there to train for two weeks. Um, so the Lord is doing something amazing at the moment and I'm happy to see that. But it's all about him. So from here, you'll go on to Pennsylvania before going home. So your ministry continues, as you shared, booked out a year. So just for our staff and for those that will listen, how can we pray for your ministry? Yeah, I think at the moment we have, um, in, my, in my heart, I have, when I go back home to South Africa, Michael, I, I want to take the call and kind of downside it to an abridged version, make it a little bit smaller, add some questions. Because there is a need to translate that, that book in eight or nine different languages. Um, in South Africa and in, in Africa as well, the Spanish language, we have a lady up in Colombia that will do that for us. Um, to help me to, to downsize the book and we can find a way that we can actually translate that in different languages. Um, and then send it to different places in the world. In France and Portuguese and Mandarin and in all places. So that's a project that we have at, at the table. I want to finish a few more books that is connected to the call, also in the month of November and December. So you can pray for that, that the Lord will help us uh, how to put that together. And that if it pleases Him to raise up many men of peace in every nation of the world, that He feels that this book or this ministry or by visiting them personally or just sending them something can benefit them, that the Lord can be used in those nations with a forgotten Jesus model as well. So pray for the material and the books for us to be fresh when we think about things like this and just to be faithful that God has uniquely placed us. And so I think if we pray for that, that will be great. The Lord has a way of connecting things and people with one another for a reason. We can be faithful with that. We will take care of all our stuff at the right time. So I think that's where we are. Thank you.
God has been faithful to do that, to connect us together, to be able to gather around the table and hear about how God is working in nations that typically aren't brought up around the table here. So you being connected to our ministry here gives us an opportunity to pray for the outreach that you continue to be a part of. And so we will be praying for your ministry and are very grateful for all that you've shared with us today and pray that it will be an encouragement to those that listen and we pray for the ongoing ministry you have here in South Carolina and beyond and as you go back home. So thank you for sharing with us today.